It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to the World Soccer Talk podcast. We discuss what differences there are with Premier League games on the USA network, who the big winner is with the Pepe and DK transfers to Europe. We share what happens to Sky Sports News, and we look ahead to the latest news about the next MLS TV deal. Plus, we share our recommendations of what to watch this weekend. On the panel today, we have Kartik Krishnayer. My name is Christopher Harris. So listeners and Kartik, first thing, Happy New Year. Uh, hopefully it's going well so far. Uh, and, and we talked about this last week. We've got a lot of soccer to enjoy during the holidays. Uh, the impact of COVID, Kartik, um, we're co- recording this on Thursday. Uh, four of the Serie A games have been postponed uh, due to outbreaks and uh, it looks like Manchester City's game on Friday in the FA Cup is probably uh, doubtful at this point and then who knows for this weekend as far as the FA Cup um, matches third round and also you've got the Africa Cup of Nations so fingers crossed any, any insights on those uh, predicaments that we're in there Kartik? Yeah, I mean, I think it's uh, unfortunately uh, the, the the world we live in, and uh, it's now becoming a, a, an expectation this time of year, as the COVID is very, very seasonal in its peaks in certain parts of the world. And here in Florida, actually, where you and I live, the peaks have been, well, this is the new peak, right? But we've also had summer peaks both of the last two years, uh, which is a little bit different than the rest of rest of the U.S. and, and uh, a little bit different than Europe as well. But uh it's just something we're now having to live with. And unfortunately, uh, for whatever reason, there are a huge number of unvaccinated players in England disproportionate to other countries with, with top leagues. So uh, there have been more uh, postponements. I know Serias is, is facing a rash of postponements this weekend uh, now, but to this point, they haven't had to postpone any matches until, until now. Whereas England, the top four divisions, there have been... Uh, Actually, quite frankly, the Football League, there were more cancellations or more postponements than matches played over the holiday period. So, uh, unfortunately, it is what it is. Yeah, it's tricky, too, because uh, 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 probably most listeners um, and you can't probably at this point, we know we, we know that there's been an outbreak uh, of COVID during the last few weeks. And uh, whether it's, I mean, my family's okay, but we've got 
brother-in-laws, sister-in-laws. We've got, uh, I mean, cousins, a lot of neighbors. I mean, there's so many be- people being sick. So um, hopefully, like you said, that too, that uh, we can kind of uh, go get through this curve and then uh, continue to have matches played um, around around the uh, around the world, really. Um, and with Sunday's Africa Cup of Nations starting, uh, that coverage will be on being sports. But um, a lot of anticipation for that tournament, and, and hopefully that will go along smoothly. Fingers crossed. Now, speaking of uh, fingers crossed, Kartik, I'm sure uh, the executives at NBC Sports were thinking, okay, great. Okay, NBC SN has gone, but USA Network now is the go-to place for Premier League matches. Um, having watched a lot of the games over the holiday period um, on USA Network and then comparing that to NBC SN, any differences at all that you've seen, Kartik, in terms of coverage or amount of coverage? No, it's it's the same. Uh, I don't know if it'll remain the same. I don't know if the bumper programming was a holiday thing and they're going to uh, just uh, get to just showing matches during uh, during these periods uh, when they show matches on USA. I don't know if there'll be a reduced number of matches shown on USA versus NBCSN. But so far, it's basically the same. The thing I would point out, though, in this conversation is that pre- and post-match coverage tends to be more extensive on Peacock than it is on Linear anyway for uh, NBC Sports at this point. So uh, there is now a difference. It used to be a difference between NBCSN and Peacock. Now it's a difference between USA and Peacock. Yeah, what what I noticed is that um, the level of coverage uh, from USA to NBCSN, no difference. I mean, it's the same cast. It's the same uh, kind of – it feels the same, right? It it doesn't feel like it's a different network. But what I would say is to – uh, what I would say is with all the changes, it does look like there's going to be fewer games on um, the sister network, CNBC, looking ahead to the schedule for the next couple of weeks. So that means the same coverage on the USA as NBCSN, but possibly more games on Peacock. So the games that might have been on CNBC in the past, uh, we might see more of those on Peacock. So take a typical Saturday um in the Premier League, and usually that 10 a.m. to noon window, you would have one game on US, well, one game on NBCSN, and then one game on sometimes on CNBC. Um, and now, you I mean you would think that maybe one game on USA Network and then one game on CNBC. Um, but now we're seeing the one game on USA Network and everything else on Peacock. So that's the only thing. Um, with CNBC, it's not that they're not showing sports. So I, I looked at the schedule for the next couple of weekends. They are showing rugby games on Saturday mornings and Saturday afternoons. Um, but a lot of this is, I think, um, really kind of more games move into Peacock. And we've looking ahead to the schedule for the next couple of weeks, two games that are coming up that are going to be on Peacock, um, the Tottenham-Arsenal game, and uh, I think it's the Chelsea-Man City game, Kartik, that's going to be... Uh, yes, that's we- on Peacock. That's yeah, it. so bo- both of those on Peacock, so those are the only places to go uh, for that. Uh, for me personally, I mean, having the games on Peacock, I already subscribe to Peacock. Um, I-, I-, I don't mind. Um, I would like all the games to be available on Peacock, but what I've found of late is I'm, I'm watching Goal Rush more and more uh, to watch all the action from all the games uh, at once. Um, and that's helped uh, in terms of my enjoyment of the Premier League. I'm, I'm not sure about you, Kartik, if, if your viewing habits have changed at all. 
not really. I mean, I, I watched Goal Rush pretty regularly when it was offered as part of NBC Sports Live Extra, what's that called? Uh, right. They've had so many incarnations of these things, I can't even keep in, keep track of what it is. That was before NBC Sports Gold. Um, and then uh, they had Goal Rush at times on, uh, on Gold. So, yeah, I keep an eye on it. Now, what's ended up happening is the uh, 3 p.m. UK kickoffs during this holiday period, there have inevitably been postponements due to COVID during them. So what we've had is maybe only one or two matches kicking off at that time. And Goal Rush has been less useful than it typically is. But uh, as COVID uh, as COVID cases go, go back down, which they will inevitably, uh, then we're going to have more use for that. And they are now showing it on Peacock. There was a lot of uh, consternation, Chris, as you and I both know. A lot of people were writing into us. Uh, complaining to us directly that Peacock wasn't showing Goal Rush. Now they are. So that's a, that's a bonus for the viewers. Okay, so looking back at this holiday period that we've had, uh, and there's been some fantastic games, but there were three in particular that stood out, Kartik. And I want to get your take on which of these three were your favorite. And also, was it, is, is, it, is, your, is it your match of the season so far in the Premier League? So there was Chelsea-Liverpool, Spurs against Liverpool, and then Arsenal against Manchester City. What do you of, think? Of those three, Spurs, Liverpool. Um, overall for the season, I would say Liverpool, Man City closely ed- edges out Spurs, Liverpool. Here's my case against the other two. Um, and they're not cases. They were spectacular games. In fact, I hosted a Twitter space uh, this past Saturday, Sunday talking about how fantastic these three matches were over the holiday period. So... Um, I, I agree that they were all fantastic matches, but I th- here's the reason I go for Spurs-Liverpool over the other two. Chelsea-Liverpool was fantastic, end-to-end and frantic, but the, you could see the fitness levels of both teams dropped off after about minute 60. And so um, I would say the last 30 minutes of that match were like a typical Premier League match, whereas the first 60 minutes were played at, at, at the same level as maybe that uh, Liverpool-Man City game I'm talking about earlier in the season, back from October. Arsenal-Manchester City, I think, was fantastic uh, in terms of its drama. And again, the first half, I think, our Arsenal was outstanding. Uh, where I would say that there was a, it, it was less... Um, it was it was lesser than the Spurs Liverpool match. Is that you saw two teams tactically that were doing kind of similar things um, and canceling each other out. And uh, once you had uh, the controversial VAR decision on uh, on Shaka and then the Gabriel sending off, uh, it, it felt like the game there was an inevitability playing out that uh, Manchester City would get a goal. Still, Arsenal were fantastic. Spurs-Liverpool, to me, was the tactical battle of the season. You saw Conte set up his Spurs team in such a way to cancel out Liverpool and sucker Liverpool in, knowing uh, Alexander-Arnold and Robertson. Remember, Robertson started that match. He got That was the match he got the red card in. But uh, to sucker them in, stay very narrow, and hit them on, a, on the break. Now, that's easier said than done. The way Conte set up Spurs was a specific way to get at... at uh, at Liverpool to force one of their midfielders to play as kind of an auxiliary center back, therefore um, forcing, and and we know how good Alexander-Arnold and Robertson are, and and most of the attacks come through the flanks anyway from Liverpool, but kind of disrupting their midfield play by doing that. So I thought it was just, uh, and then obviously Klopp had a counter also with that, which I think made that game, at least from my perspective, um, the, the match to watch over the holiday period because it was two tactical, maybe two tactical geeks canceling each other out. And it was a 2-2 match. 
All right, Spurs against Liverpool, and this topic will come up later in the podcast. Uh, I will I will reveal that later. The reason why. Um, just a couple more things, Kartik. So um, big transfer signings over the uh, the holiday period too. Uh, Ricardo Pepe moving to Augsburg in the Bundesliga, and then Daryl DK uh, moving to West Bromwich Albion. Uh, for me, as somebody who analyzes the the television and streaming side of soccer, uh, and and you too, of course. For me, I think it's a nice boost for ESPN Plus. I mean, uh, Augsburg and West Brom, most of those games, a lot of those games will be on uh, ESPN+. Plus. Um, but the question for you, Kartik, is Augsburg, what do you think the chances are uh, for them staying up this season in the Bundesliga? I think they have a very good chance. You know, they actually have some very good attacking players. Now you're adding Ricardo Pepe to the mix. Their defending hasn't been so great at times. Uh, but I, I like their chances of staying up. I think they have a very good chance uh, to, at worst, I think they'll be in that 16th position, which is a playoff. I, I, if I had to, if I were a betting man, I would say they stay up, and that's good for Pepe. Although he has to break into a squad, they spent a lot of money, especially for them, uh, on this player. So I guess he will be in the squad, but he's got, he's going to have some competition to stay in that squad. I know U.S. and men's national team fans who are very uh, many of whom are very arrogant and don't know very much about uh, European club football, uh, and but they feigned this incredible knowledge and this incredible um, um, passion for European football. Even though, Quite frankly, and this 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 is goes to the YouTubers particularly about the US MNT don't know anything. Uh, Pepe, they think it's a it's a move to a, a lesser team. Well, it's a team with a lot of attacking good attacking players with uh, who are older than Pepe, but they um, he, he's going to have to be at the top of his game to, to to stay on that side, particularly when they're fighting relegation. So uh, I think it's a good move for him. And it's another potentially positive move for ESPN and ESPN Plus with having another American star in the Bundesliga. Although, you know, they've tried to ride that the last year and a half, and it hasn't necessarily had the um, the impact uh, yeah. ratings-wise that we had hoped it would. Yeah, and I, and I think a lot, a lot of it too, injuries, right? Uh, whether it's uh, Giorena, you mean, or just, it's just, I mean, a lot of uh, things that have kind of gotten in the way of... Um, it being a successful uh, run of games where you're seeing a lot of American stars fe- being featured. And then you had players moving away to different clubs. I mean, Josh Sargent moving to Norwich, etc. But one more thing, Karthik, before we head into the news section, and I want to get your take on this. Um, I-, I understand you've been watching some uh, soccer documentaries and uh, anything of note? Yeah. So Where Eagles Dare, uh, which is a documentary uh, about Crystal Palace, which I found on... Uh, on uh, Prime and assumed, I had seen it a while ago on my Prime list and I assumed it was the same documentary we got on NBCSN. Remember the Goalhanger film that yep. Gary Lineker did with Ian Wright on uh, on Palace? Well, as it turns out, it's not. It's actually a retrospect. It is actually a documentary that was filmed at the time about the 2012-2013 season uh, the year Dougie Friedman left to go to Bolton, Ian Holloway comes in, they struggle, but then they, they limp their way into the playoff and they somehow advance from the playoff. Uh, it's a five-part series and it's it's transposed with interviews from 2019 or 2020 with all of the players. So it's a, it's a fly-on-the-wall documentary um, about a season, an important season in Crystal Palace's history with a kind of... Uh, a modern perspective, or with some hindsight, right? With with six years, seven years later, all of the major players uh, being interviewed, 
and talking about events. So it, it actually, to me, is much better than the seasonal fly-in-the-wall documentaries you see on Prime and you see on, on Netflix. I, I This one really took me, and there was a lot of honesty in it. And they showed... Um, I mean, I still just remember the Doogie Friedman period at Palace, how excited Palace fans were to have a legend of the club uh, back, managing them after a period of, of financial calamity for the club, and the club basically being rescued at the 11th hour from becoming insolvent. And remember, I was working for the NASL at the time, and we had a Crystal Palace affiliate club, Crystal Palace in Baltimore, in our league the first year, the year that all happened, and that club collapsed as a result of Palace's financial issues in the UK. But so I I had a little more insight than maybe I would have had otherwise into what was going on at Palace uh, with Steve Parrish coming in and, and some of the other things happening. But mm-hmm. it, it was fantastic because it had this this hindsight with Johnny Williams and Wilfred Zaha and Yannick Velassi and Dougie Friedman. And about Friedman leaving and going to Bolton, they really play that thing out with a lot of, uh, lot of honesty. So uh, it's a five-part documentary. I highly recommend it. It's buried on Amazon Prime. It showed up on one of my recommendations months ago, and I ignored it because, I, like I said, I thought it was that NBCSN thing that we saw years ago, and, and it was like, eh, whatever. Uh, but then I, uh, I, I actually hit the description this past week and was like, okay, maybe I'm going to be interested in this, and it was engrossing. All right, what to watch this weekend? My recommendation is uh, Sunday, Nottingham Forest at home against Arsenal in the FA Cup third round. Uh, the game kicks off at 12.15 Eastern time on ESPN+. Plus. Arsenal, you uh, mean, you mean they're flying right now. I mean, playing some really good football. Nottingham Forest too. Nottingham Forest um, under manager Steve Cooper, uh, former Swansea manager, doing very, very well. And uh, I think in ninth position in, in the league. Um, hit hit a little bit of a patch of form, but but in terms of this one, I'm sure Forest are going to go all out, uh, guns are blazing, playing some really good football, and uh, looking forward to watching this one on ESPN Plus. What about you, Kartik? What's your recommendation? Well, before I get to my recommendation, why is it that these two teams always play <laughs> in cup competitions and generally play in that time slot? So I I was just it was funny I I didn't realize they had drawn each other again until. You picked it as your match of the week and uh, yesterday, and you know, we were corresponding. And I said, oh my goodness, I still distinctly remember Eric Lehigh scoring a goal for Forrest to eliminate Arsenal, in the, Eric Lehigh being an American, uh, in the same exact time slot four years ago, that, that kickoff on Sunday. And then I also remember the two of them playing, I think, in the same time slot uh, because I was working with, uh, with with a gentleman, I'll leave him unnamed, but uh, 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 who was a big Forest fan a few years ago, and they played in that same time slot in another FA Cup. Now maybe that was the fourth round, uh, I, but I think it was the third round. So I don't. This is yeah. I, this is a great game to watch, but it's also why are they always drawn together? These two teams. It's just one of the flukes of uh, of draws, Who's- I guess. Who's the one in the Champions League that always draws? It was it what, Dortmund and Real Madrid. Or Dortmund, it's... Real, and Shakhtar, Shakhtar, and Inter are always in the same group for some reason too. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's funny. Weird. It's funny the way the way it works. But uh, yeah, it should that should be a good one. What, what about you, Kartik? What's your game? Yeah, same time slot, uh, and I'm going to be flipping back and forth. Uh, Roma, Juventus. Uh, assuming the match takes place, okay. By the time uh, everyone listens to this, let's let's hope it's still on. Roma, Juve. Uh, I think with a winner break. And with um, uh, with, with with a couple of 
decent results, although again, another setback. Maybe um, Jose is getting through to this Roma squad. Juventus has been hit or miss. They haven't played very well, in my opinion, at all this season, but they're, they, they have their heads above water and can still get to the top four. So big game on Paramount Plus, uh, 12.30, and we have one of these big Serie A matches every week, it feels like. Yeah, more and more lately, in the last couple of years, really, I've been watching two games at once or more than two games at once just because there's so many ones to choose from and it's hard to you mean just pick one because you feel like you're missing out on the other one so so for sure i'm gonna have this one side by side uh romo juventus and forest arsenal as well i'm sure many games over the weekend um all right, let's move on to TV streaming news. And uh, this is the first time we've actually had one of these episodes in a while because we had a quiz show. And I think we took a break for, for a little bit of time. But um, so we're, we're catching up with some of the news. Um, this one is not the brand, the most brand new news. This is from a couple of weeks ago, but it's still very, very interesting. And Kartik, I'll have you uh, take it from here. Yeah, it's in its next TV deal that will start in 2023. Industry sources suggest MLS is seeking $300 million a season, up from rough, the roughly $90 million it brings in from ESPN, Fox, and Univision combined now from the 15 to 22 time period. MLS Commissioner Don Garber said all of MLS's content will be leveraged, including games in local markets, uh, which we've talked about before, then buying that back, and the league's data rights for the 2023 media package. MLS is bullish given the 1.8 million who watch MLS on Thanksgiving Day, as well as the signing of Lorenzo Insigne from Napoli. And uh, my understanding is there might be more uh, uh, star Italian players that show up there. I should mention this to the listeners now. This is a little off topic, but maybe it, 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 it corresponds. Bob Bradley is a great admirer of Italian football. Maybe maybe you realize that with the way his team's set up, but really uh, uh, Bradley's greatest inspiration is watching Sarri's Milan teams, and that's kind of why Michael Bradley, his son, modeled his game after uh, Andrea Pirlo. Uh, also, uh, Bradley, a big fan of Capello. So I would not be surprised if more Italian players come to Toronto now that Bob Bradley will be at a club that has a budget for that, and also a willingness to go sign those sorts of players. LAFC was looking for players from Latin America for obvious reasons, obvious demographic reasons where they are. So um, I'm actually very excited about that from MLS's perspective. Bradley being in Toronto, I think he's a great coach, uh, quite possibly the best American coach ever. And uh, I know his affection for Italian football, and it's no coincidence to me he signed Insigne right off the bat. And I I would look for more of those signings. That will hopefully move the needle for MLS because those are big names. Yeah, we've we've seen this before though too, right? Contact we've seen. I mean, big signings, whether it's uh, Frank Lampard, Stephen Gerrard, uh, David Beckham, etc., and many many other players. And uh, it's always with the thought that it moves the needle, and it hardly ever does, unfortunately. Um, so uh, Insignia, it'd be great. I mean, he's a fantastic player, but uh, will that move the needle? And I and I'm sure there's going to be people watching the Toronto games that in the past um, wouldn't have done, maybe, perhaps. Um, but will that move the needle as much as, as, as needed? Uh, but at, at this point, though, too, with, with 2023 coming up in that uh, the ne- next TV deal, which will be signed um, and announced in this quarter, um, there's always that, that possibility, right? They can kind of say, like, hey, this is going to be great. We, this is going to bump up the numbers and, and use that as a selling point. 
Yeah, I, I think that that's probably what they're hoping for. I, I don't think that, that that was the intent of the signing because, I, I as I said, I, I know a lot about Bob Bradley's management. I'm a big fan of his, and I think Insigne is the kind of guy he'd, want, he, he'd, he'd have wanted, period. Uh, and there are more Italian players he'd want and that I think he's going to pursue. Uh, here's the big uh, chief distinction between Insigne and Javinko, for those who have made that comparison, by the way. Insigne is a core player for the national team. Javinko was always a player kind of on the fringes of the national team. Prandelli did take him to uh, Euro 2012, uh, and, and he was a player I liked. But Insigne is, uh, truthfully, in this era where Italy's... Uh, Talent, even though I know they won the Euros, but the talent of Italian football has kind of been down in terms of domestic players. Insigne is one of the standout Italian players of this generation, and he's still in the national team. Uh, I don't think Roberto Mancini uh, is going to say, oh, because Insigne is at Toronto, he's not going to select him for the national team. They need him. They need him to qualify at this point. So um, if they don't qualify, maybe they move on. But I think he will definitely be there uh, in March for the playoffs, even though he's playing in MLS. So MLS is seeking $300 million per season. And uh, as you said, Kartik, um, roughly $90 million right now per season uh, that they're getting. But out of that $90 million, what, $30 million of that goes to U.S. Soccer Federation. So really for Major League Soccer, it's only, well, not only, but $60 million a season. So how realistic do you think that $300 million uh, target is per season for them? I don't think it's very realistic. I think they'll go over the $90 million. I think what we'll see is somewhere 200 to 225 is my guess. They've added important uh, markets, obviously, since that last TV deal. They have, uh, again, a second team in L.A. By the way, they had promised that in 2015 uh, to, the, to those negotiating. So, uh, And they had had a second team in L.A. previously. Atlanta, which they had promised. Miami, Fort Lauderdale, which they had promised. However, I think Nashville and Austin are really... Uh, Cincinnati doesn't do much to move the needle, uh, quite frankly. Minnesota, not really. Uh, although Minnesota had been announced right as that deal was being uh, consummated. Almost, I think, the same week. Um, but I think Austin and Nashville moved the needle uh, pretty significantly. I think you also have uh, the buyback of local TV rights, which helps. And then you you have the launching of ML, MLS Next Pro, which is going to get them into some other... Uh, markets or some other people like someone like me I'm more probably as interested in watching that league as I would be in MLS or USL because I think there's going to be a lot of key players that come out of that league Uh, it's right now um, all reserve teams with the exception of the uh, the Rochester team owned partly owned by Jamie Vardy that's joined the league but my understanding is from talking and As we talked about on the last time we did one of these sorts of podcasts before the break, I've launched a a new project, Local Soccer TV, and talking to the the people that I'm talking to for that project, it sounds like there are a lot of independent clubs that are at least having conversations with MLS about that league. So if that league balloons up in numbers and is in some other key markets where there aren't necessarily MLS teams or the MLS teams aren't as popular as maybe they need to be, that could help their TV deal. So that's why I think they'll get over $200 Uh, the combination of local TV rights, MLS Next Pro, and in particular Austin and and, uh, and Nashville, more than more than Charlotte and Cincinnati, etc. But um, I don't think they get the three hundred million. I think not having the U.S. piece probably costs uh, costs them. And I know the U.S. is probably not going to have qualifying for twenty twenty six. So people have said to me, "Well, it's really kind of a worthless package because of that." 
But the U.S. will have a lot of friendlies and potentially do other things to generate revenue with with matches, uh, and that includes you know, losing. She believes if if you if uh, from that which happens annually, which is part of that package with the with the with the bundle, and losing all the U.S. M&T friendlies, many of which have been kind of these attractive friendlies against uh, top European nations. So um, although again that's subject to change with the possibility of the Nations League being um, being changed by by uefa but i i don't think they'll get the 300 million because they've lost the us piece is my is my point yeah so i think the addition of charlotte is going to help them big time um the which i'm sure it's coming las vegas is going to be interesting to see what what that does to uh the interest in the league um and in comparison sake here so they're seeking 300 million dollars per season right now nbc in this last deal uh, with the Premier League, um, they're paying over four hundred and fifty million dollars per season. Um, if if MLS if if the soccer world uh, if MLS was the top dog in the United States, just as the NFL is, I mean NFL being kind of you mean the the top uh, American football league, MLS probably could get three hundred million dollars per season. But the reality is is that MLS is not the top dog. You I mean there's leagues from around the world that are much much bigger and better. Uh, and most viewers will go to watching those games rather than MLS. So yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Kartik. I think the $300 million per season is a good target to go for. Um, but the reality is in terms of the number of people watching the games, uh, even with expansion into these these different cities, um, the TV numbers, the Thanksgiving Day was fantastic. The 1.8 million, that was wonderful. But um, averaging roughly... About two hundred and fifty thousand uh, per game for you know, across ESPN and, and Fox, um, and I think Univision too. Rough, roughly, um, is is not worth three hundred million dollars per season. All right, let's move on, Kartik, and um, we've been uh, actually working uh, on trying to find out the status of Sky Sports News. So we we talked about uh, in the first segment uh, NBCSN shutting down. And for those um, viewers and listeners, um, you would remember sometimes that NBCSN on weekdays uh, for about an hour would show Sky Sports News in the morning around about lunchtime. And uh, you could watch Sky Sports News and, and get updated on all, on all the great details about uh, the different leagues and even other sports too, cricket, rugby, etc. Well, with NBCSN gone, uh, gone away... Uh, and USA airing Law and Order reruns during that time slot. I've been following up with um, NBC Sports to try to find out what is happening to Sky Sports News. And I found out that a, um, NBC confirmed to me that Sky Sports News is not currently on the schedule and did not have any further information to share. So uh, when there's good news, NBC Sports puts out a press release. When there's bad news, um, I have to go digging and hunting for it. I got, so I got that. Uh, but it looks very doubtful that um, Sky Sports News will be back. The only possibility maybe is Peacock. Um, however, that does present challenges too because Sky Sports News is a live show. Uh, it has commercial breaks and um, – Peacock or NBC Sports does not have the rights to all of those highlights that Sky Sports News shows. So uh, you would need to have someone kind of basically watching the live feed and then you mean switching the, the, the actual picture to something else. If there's, I mean, it's very time intensive. There could be a lot of things going on. So, so even Peacock's very doubtful. But um, 
I will stay on top of this story and uh, at any opportunity I get to speak to NBC Sports, I'll try to find out whether or not Sky Sports News, if there's any chance for it to come back, because there is a lot of uh, loyal viewers out there that did watch that show. But Kartik, I mean, is this the reality? Is this the reality that maybe Sky Sports News wasn't bringing in the viewing numbers that made it worthwhile, perhaps? Yeah, I don't... uh... I, well, I mean, I guess if you're a, a, a Liverpool fan or an Arsenal fan or, or a Chelsea fan, it's it's great because they all they do is talk about those clubs in kind of sensational ways. But for people who are, who are fans of the rest of the league, didn't really matter. If you're fans of other leagues, it, it didn't matter either. So, um, yeah, I probably wasn't bringing in the numbers uh, required. And I think it was just filler in a programming schedule of NBCSN, which where there wasn't enough programming to justify keeping the channel open to begin with. So they were having to fill it with things like the auto auctions and Sky Sports News that I don't think move numbers, but they had to fill that programming space. The other option is to do the paid programming, which CNBC does. Uh, NBC Universal through the years has had this uh, back and forth about what to do with CNBC, which is a business channel, business news channel on the weekends. At times they've had political coverage, at times they've had sports, at times they've had infomercials, at times they've had talk shows. And it seems like they keep going through that cycle over and over again as to what to show on CNBC. And as you mentioned earlier in our show now, they're showing sports again on the weekends. But uh, I think NBSCSN represented a little bit of that uh, when there weren't live sporting events. So... It's probably just easier to shutter the channel. I don't. I don't think Sky Sports News was moving numbers. What I would say, though, too, though, is that NBC Sports now not having any daily soccer news show, um, there is kind of a, a gaping hole. I mean, there's a kind of a black hole. I mean, at least with ESPN, you've got ESPN FC that brings you up to date on, in terms of the latest news, discussion, analysis, and um, I think. Uh, I mean, even going back back in the day to Fox Soccer Channel. When they had uh, their daily news program, um, that was great. And when that when that left, there was a lot, there was a big outcry from a lot of fans saying, "Okay, you I mean this stinks? We want we watch that daily to, to stay up up on top of the news." But I guess in some ways too, with social media being so accessible, um, it's not as big of a loss these days. All right, Kartik, let's move on. So we talked about um, NBCSN going away and USA Network uh, coming on board. What are the numbers like look like for um, those first uh, kind of opening weekend of games, and how did those do? Yeah, uh, outstanding weekend. Uh, City versus uh, Arsenal, Arsenal versus City at the Emirates. 7.30 a.m. Eastern time kickoff, New Year's Day. 4.30 a.m. Uh, Pacific time kickoff. Highest numbers for an early kickoff game in... Almost four years, about three and a half years for a game on an NBC network. And, and uh, there was an NBCSN game in September, I think, of 2018 that got a, a higher number. And then uh, the, the Chelsea-Liverpool match, which is an 11.30 a.m. Eastern time, 8.30 a.m. Pacific time kickoff on January 2nd, got the highest numbers. Uh, apparently the third highest number ever for an NBC game, uh, a game on NBC Sports on cable. Truthfully, I don't remember the two games that got a higher number. It was an incredible number, uh, English language number on USA Network. So uh, over over 1.1 million. So uh, uh, really good start for USA Network uh, this weekend. Obviously, we're going to need more data points to properly analyze it, but I'm not surprised. We, we had this conversation on the podcast a few weeks ago. I, I thought going to USA would bump would give a slight uptick to uh, the numbers, and so far they have. Yeah, and, and I think part of that context for me is just the um, 
that that brand loyalty that I had with NBCSN that kind of felt it's it's almost like your you mean your favorite girlfriend and and she she leaves you and you feel heartbroken you're like you spent some quality time um some great memories and now all of a sudden this is new girl on the block and uh you know you have to get to know her a, a little bit better so so maybe for me it'll just take some time to get to warm up to um USA network but it, but it's so far i guess positive to see that the coverage hasn't changed however it will be interesting to see it in terms of the peacock influence and what that means if that's more games less games uh so far it looks like it's going to be more games on peacock all right and then one piece of news uh one more last piece of news and that cbs sports has announced that six of the uefa champions league round of 16 games will be available on over-the-air television uh, between february 15th and march 9th that includes PSG Real Madrid, Inter Liverpool, uh, Chelsea Lille, uh, Atletico Madrid, Manchester United, Liverpool Inter, and then Real Madrid and PSG. So some big blockbuster games there. Can't I have a feeling on that one. It might be that, yes, CBS Sports wants to go ahead and get these big games on the big network and increase the number of uh, viewers there, as well as, I'm sure, um, mentioning Paramount Plus, and that's the place to go to watch all the games. But I think part of it, too, is probably CBS Sports thinking about the next TV deal, thinking, okay, how can we impress UEFA and uh, continue to increase the numbers so that when it is time uh, to uh, discuss renewals, we're in a good place. Yeah, I, I think uh, the, 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 the big question in terms of, uh, of, of renewals is that the cycle is so short, right? Um, yep. The right cycle that you have to maximize your, uh, what you're doing in year one. We, TNT uh, Turner learned that they didn't, they didn't really get the formula right until it was too late. Um, and so the property is, is a sort of uh, uh, poison chalice that way. Now, I guess CBS had this head start by assuming Turner's previous the last year and a half of their three-year deal. But I think we're now in a position where um, CBS really has to test how well this will do mid-afternoon on network television. Uh, will it get better ratings than whatever uh, their affiliates are showing at the time? I mean, they don't have any national programming at the time, so it's easy for them to, to, to throw it on. But does it get bigger numbers than, I don't know, Dr. Phil or uh, uh, whatever uh, syndicated program is on the local channels, uh, local CBS affiliates and uh, local news, right? Because I think it'll cut in a little bit into local news. So that's that's the big test. Uh, but it's really encouraging to see. And they're picking matches that I think will all um, potentially move the needle. I do think... Uh, uh, PSG Real Madrid is a little risky of, uh, that they're showing both legs of that. But I think the matches that involve English teams, we know that there's a baseline number for those for those matches, right, in English mm-hmm. language. We even saw it with Turner, right, because Turner was showing those games on TNT. They had a huge uptick in ratings over FS1, which is, I, to me, a very similar like-for-like comparison to N- the former NBCSN and USA Network. TNT, much more mainstream network among average Americans than uh, uh, sports networks are. So uh, I think CBS will do okay with the with the Chelsea, Liverpool, Man United matches. PSG, Real Madrid, I'm a little concerned about. 
I think with CBS Sports, it's important that they find the right balance with their studio coverage. So when they first started showing the UEFA Champions League, uh, it was a little bit more serious. And then as time went on, it became a little bit uh, kind of a little bit more jokey. And of late, it seems to be a lot more slapstick. Um, So I think I think it's important that they find that balance between trying to provide some really intelligent analysis and then not get too much into the jokey side. But have some kind of lighthearted humor. That's okay. That's no problem. But when that becomes kind of the main thrust uh, and the analysis becomes lesser, then I think it's not as appealing. But but for you, Kartik, when you think about the UEFA Champions League over the years, we've had uh, broadcasters from ESPN, Fox Sports, Turner Sports, and CBS Sports all having the rights to the competition. For you, who do you feel got it right the best, if 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 anyone? Um, because it, it is kind of when you look at it, it is kind of what one of the top soccer tournament club club soccer uh, tournaments in the world. Yeah, I uh, I, I think there have been pros and cons with everybody, right? I mean, I think there was an there was an access. Uh, and accessibility, I should say, with Fox, right? Um, I, I do think there were some interesting things Turner did with their coverage, although I, obviously there was the clunky side too. And CBS gave a, a at least an, a more professional approach, and I think they're giving us an incredible amount of bumper programming. At the same time, there's a kind of an inherent silliness in, in some of the things they do that's now beginning to grade on me. But they're giving... they're. It's just unfortunately, Chris. This is this is not um, this is not a reflection of what I think. This is a reflection of what people I talk to think. There's a greater credibility for events when they're on CBS or NBC or ABC, ABC slash ESPN than if they're on other networks. So that's perhaps unfair to TNT, or to Turner, and to uh, to Fox. But uh, at least among soccer fans I talk to that also like other sports, they think it's a more serious tournament now or a more serious watch because it's on CBS. That's that's not my opinion. You know, I think Fox did a lot of good things with the property. I, w- I was not as down on Turner as everybody else. I was kind of down on him, but not as down as everybody else. But there's just a, a built-in bias. This, this goes back to why I think the Premier League, uh, Premier League fans are so comfortable and happy with NBC and are always freaking out about it going somewhere else potentially because there's just a comfort level with um, the, the, the ESPN assuming the role of ABC. There's no ABC Sports anymore, right? It's ESPN. Mm-hmm. Um, the, those three networks, ESPN, CBS, and NBC, there's just a comfort level with them that there isn't with other broadcasters. Yeah, my, my take is that uh, no one has perf- perfected it yet. And um, you look at the Premier League and you, and you can say with NBC Sports, they've, they've mastered it. Uh, it's not perfect by any means. They've made mistakes too. But in terms of what NBC Sports has done with the Premier League, it's top level. And with CBS Sports, I think they have the potential to really own the uh, UEFA Champions League and really to perfect it. Uh, but to me, it's it's inconsistent. There's too much chop and change. Uh, every kind of game week, you don't know who's going to be on the set. There's been so many different changes. I mean, I'm sure a lot of it is because of uh, COVID and uh, I mean, and just the way that everything's been so fluid, but kind of going into every week, you're not sure who's going to be on the set, and it's hard to build that chemistry. I mean, when they had uh, Thierry Henry, that was fantastic, but then he was missing some of the, the last couple of weeks in uh, the last group stage. 
but uh, but I look back and I, I look at I mean Turner Sports, Fox Sports, uh, ESPN, and I guess there's pluses and minuses and CBS Sports. Same thing with them too. Uh, they have the opportunity, though, I think, to really raise the bar and to improve that and, and get it better. Um, but they're not there yet. All right, listeners, uh, let's move on and talk about uh, listener mailbag. We've got a bunch of uh, comments from you, listeners. Uh, Kartik, this one's for you. This one's this one's from Jeff. Uh, Kartik, I want to start watching women's soccer, and I'm looking for a few suggestions. Just want to watch fun attacking soccer. Any recommendations for a few teams that would be good to follow? Thank you. Yeah, I like Atleti and Barca in Spain. I like uh, watching Chelsea under Emma Hayes in in uh, in the uh, in the FA WSL. Arsenal it has been quite good to watch with their Dutch influence of late. Uh, Manchester City were great to watch until this season. Uh, this season has been a, a disaster, but uh, they, they, they'll recover. So that's a good team to watch. And obviously, Leon a little bit down now. They're a good team to watch uh, still. And, and PSG is a very good team to watch uh, here in the U.S. Um, the the nature of NWSL, the single entity nature of NWSL, and uh, the allocation system, all of that makes the teams, to me, reflect one another, right? They, they look the same. The only team that was different to me was North Carolina Courage under Paul Riley. Obviously, we know what's happened with that. So uh, I would recommend watching teams from Europe. Uh, and uh, NWSL, you could pick any random team. They generally play the same way, with the exception of the Courage. And, and to a lesser extent, Portland, uh, when Mark Parsons was managing them, had a uh, had a bit of a different style of play, although they could resort to the same sort of uh, um, tactic. Also, uh, just just so I can make this clear, and I hope I, I know this might elicit a lot of angry people because uh, Americans American soccer fans are very protective of NWSL, and I'm not saying the leagues in Europe are better than NWSL. I think on the whole they probably aren't, but the NWSL is a much more physical league, which also um, has more athleticism as part of its uh as part of, of what drives it than the leagues in europe which are much more tactical and and technical so uh that it's, that would be the difference i would say yeah to, to me though to Kartik, it sounds like you're talking about major league soccer in, in many ways where it is more physical and athleticism does make a difference while some of the other leagues whether it's europe or elsewhere are more technically gifted. Although the uh, best athletes, the best athletes that play this sport in the world on the men's side are not playing in MLS. They are playing in NWSL. So the best athletes, the best athletic players, you know, your equivalents of your Mbappes and your Pogba's are playing in NWSL. Uh, but it's also an excess- excessively physical league, much like MLS and USL and the US men's leagues. And the tactics are just not there the way they are in, in Europe. I mean, you watch Emma Hayes and Chelsea. I mean, I think she could manage at the highest level of the men's game. Maybe that's a biased take, but I, I watch Chelsea. They're so well organized. The team is so technical. You see the patterns of play. It's just, it's beautiful to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and Jeff, uh, we've got a women's soccer TV schedule page at worldsoccertalk.com. A lot of the games that Kartik mentioned as far as Barcelona, Atletico Madrid, etc. Uh, some of the European teams, you can see those through the UEFA Women's Champions League, which is available for free through YouTube. And then the WSL is available through the FA Player and also at a football. And then an NWSL is available through uh, Paramount Plus and CBS Sports. But But for all the information... You can get more details at worldsoccertalk.com. Next up is uh, Corey on a different note. 
Corey says, I was surprised to hear of your tone and takeaways from the pod recently where ESPN was criticized for overhyping La Liga, saying that the quality of the football should speak for itself. In years past, your podcast took virtually every U.S. network to task for not doing more to promote their respective leagues. I recall examples being um, being sports with Serie A, Fox with the Bundesliga, and then MLS, and then ESPN with Serie A most recently. So which is preferred for diehard fans who would be watching these leagues weekly, selling storylines and potential star players or not? I would also suggest that there's a difference between marketing hype which I think you guys were getting at with ESPN and La Liga, and the blinders that some personalities show in their studio in game analysis, which you dinged NBC on in the past with the Premier League. And Corey, th- these are really, really good uh, uh, opinions. And uh, we actually got a lot of uh, feedback too from other listeners uh, through social media that said s- similar things in terms of, I can't believe World Soccer Talk is hating on La Liga. And and what we were saying is that it's okay to, to hype La Liga. I just felt that they were over hyping La Liga. It was just it was just too much. Um, I'll give you one example from um, Kartik mentioned earlier in the podcast. Uh, what's been his favorite game from the holiday period? Uh, I had no idea what it was, but he said Spurs against Liverpool. Well, Spurs against Liverpool on a Sunday in December, uh, and then on ESPN FC. Uh, they t- they start the show on that Sunday, and instead of going to saying, okay, Spurs against Liverpool, let's lead with that. What an incredible game that was uh, from the world of football today. They lead the broadcast with Real Madrid 0, Cadiz 0. So, so they start off with a nil-nil, and, uh, analyzing a nil-nil game and talking about, you mean, I don't know, how poor the game was. Well, not how poor the game was, but, but how... Uh, inefficient Real Madrid is in terms of um, playing against Cadiz, uh, and then and then later they went to Spurs against Liverpool. So so th- that's that's part of it. I think is the overhyping. Um, uh, and, and La Liga is a good league. I, I enjoy watching La Liga, but anyone who's watched Barcelona this season will see that they're they're a pretty. I wouldn't say poor team, but way below average of what we expect to see when we watch uh, Barcelona. And maybe that's p- part of my criticism of La Liga this season is that when I do watch Barcelona, I'm always disappointed. I mean, defensively worse than before, which they were bad before. Uh, it's they're just a mess, and and maybe that was part of uh, kind of my criticism of La Liga, where I've been watching a bunch of the games but have not been that excited by what I've seen. Uh, but overall, I mean, we like La Liga, we enjoy La Liga, we we, we like any soccer. Uh, we just feel that uh, ESPN Plus, especially, is just overhyping it too much to the point of where it's starting to kind of be a little bit of a turnoff. Kartik, do you uh, agree or disagree or have anything else to add on, on this one? Yeah, I, I tend to agree, although uh, uh, what's happened is uh, during the, uh, the the holiday period, you you had kind of a more proper drilled down in-depth look at the Premier League on ESPN FC like they traditionally had. So uh, they've well, had some wait, really wait, good wait. shows. But that's that's because there's no La Liga games well, on. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm saying, right, they, they they reverted to form once La Liga wasn't playing. So it's not that they've completely changed their trajectory. It's just when La Liga's playing, uh, there are different editorial priorities, it seems. That having been said, right, I mean, I still think 
the uh, the show the show is really good. You just have to sit through some of it to get to, to what you might want. The thing that I have noticed is there's less Bundesliga coverage than there's been even before they got the Bundesliga rights. Right? They were still talking about it before they got the rights when it was on Fox. Now it's really been. Uh, been put been put down further down on the pecking order. Uh, the interesting thing, though, is that uh, they put out this Gavin Jules podcast right on the ESPN FC podcast stream with uh, Marcotti and and Jules Lorenz, and uh, they're not talking La Liga very much, even though I know they both cover that league. They're talking much more Premier League than anything else, and then obviously uh, because of Gab, they talk a lot of Italy, talk a lot of Serie A. So. Uh, I think it's an ESPN FC thing. I guess that that show has been attached to La Liga now. Yeah, which it wasn't so much uh, in the past before. But uh, yeah, good points there, definitely from from Corey and listeners. And uh, let's move on to the next one, which is Nick. Nick is talking about FIFA here. uh, Nick says, is there any legal framework at all that cements FIFA's status as the world governing body and would compel countries to go along with a biannual World Mm -hmm. Cup? Couldn't the, the 10 largest European countries just say they're not going to participate and the whole thing immediately loses legitimacy? If those countries plus Argentina and Brazil broke away from FIFA, FIFA basically would become powerless and have no financial commercialization power. You could make the same case for the biggest clubs breaking away from UEFA. It seems to me like the current footballing, uh, the football governance structure is a house of cards that is only standing because everybody has benefited from it up until now. We tend to view these fights as right versus wrong, the greedy versus the people. In reality, I see these as equally greedy factions that are competing for power and money and nothing more. Uh, one, uh, one clubs, um, league FAs, confederations, and FIFA are all just engaging in power politics, trying to grab larger slices of the pie. The only losers are players who get overworked and fans who see their, their traditions disappear or get commercialized and sold back to them. Wow, Nick, this is some great feedback. Uh, Kartik, uh, care, care to uh, agree on this one? Yeah, I, um, I've i often wondered, right? FIFA has this... Uh, has created this uh, structure where they are the world governing body and they have more power than most NGOs, uh, non-government organizations. They have more more power than most governments. And then their uh, um, affiliate or associated federations all act as if they are voluntary organizations, but in fact they are they are monopoly government organizations in, in reality or, or serve as a gover- governing organization. They, because laws are different from nation to nation, it, it might be difficult to break them up, right? But I, I think that there's something very inherently um, wrong in terms of the governance of the sport where one organization... So, for example, I'll just give this example, Nick. Here in the U.S., U.S. soccer, in some of the lawsuits they face, say that they are a completely voluntary organization to join. And if you, you when you when you join, you submit to the rules of U.S. soccer and the rules of FIFA. But you have no choice. If you don't join U.S. soccer and be a member of FIFA, you can't play the sport in an organized fashion. Period, because of the way the, the game is structured. So I don't know. I mean, maybe it would take, have to take twenty or thirty uh, top countries saying no, we're not going to do this to stop them. But yes, in um, 
In reality, they may not have the legal framework in so many words, but I think they do have a way of compelling everybody to go along with them, which is uh, an unnatural monopoly, as I said, that they've acquired, uh, that crosses national boundaries, crosses uh, oceans, all of this stuff, which to me is very dangerous. Yeah, I think to me it's it's the reason why the, this whole biennial World Cup idea is so fascinating because it is it is at the heart of it is a power struggle. It's not so much about uh, whether to play the World Cup every two years. It's about FIFA asserting their uh, their power uh, to say, "Hey, we're changing things. We're gonna we're gonna want to change things up." And meanwhile, Conmebol and UEFA saying, "No, you can't do that. We, we disagree. Uh, we will threaten to boycott." We will actually come together, and UEFA and Conmebol have a uh, memorandum of understanding that uh, they will they will actually compete together uh, in the UEFA Nations League, taking some of the best teams from South America as well as the teams from UEFA, and have a competition that would be in direct uh, opposition to the biennial World Cup. And what would a biennial World Cup be without the teams from UEFA and Conmebol? Every single World Cup that has been played uh, in the world uh, has been won by a team from either UEFA or CONMEBOL. No country outside of those confederations have ever won a World Cup. So to me, it's, it, it is fascinating. Um, I think Nick's right completely. It, it is a, a house of cards that's built um, uh, with FIFA. Uh, and it's about trying to get more of that pie. And, and with FIFA looking at every two years, having a World Cup, from a, a money point of view, that makes complete sense uh, for FIFA, right? Uh, for the rest of the world, we're going like, no, that, that destroys the, 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 the competition as we know it. Every four years, we look forward to the World Cup. It has more meaning because there is that, that four-year gap in between each tournament. Uh, having it every two years is going to be, then it's, it, it, it probably feels like it's not, not as special, uh, for me, I can look back through my lifetime and go back through every single World Cup, uh, whether it's even my first one, 78, 82, 86, 90, and where I was in my life during those stages. And, and I mean, it, it has a ton of meaning for me as a soccer fan. But yeah, no, it's, um, it is very interesting. And it is FIFA and UEFA and CONMEBOL pushing back and back. The reality, though, at the end of the day, even without UEFA and without CONMEBOL, is that FIFA still has, I mean, all the CONCACAF countries, all the African countries, all the Asian countries. Uh, you combine all those numbers together, and FIFA still has a lot of leverage there. Now, from the commercial, commercialization point of view, in, term of, in terms of um, viewers and soccer fans and sponsors, how many people would be interested in watching a World Cup without UEFA countries and without Commonwealth countries? That would be a big hit. But you still have a large population around the, the rest of the world that would tune in to watch even the teams from Africa, United States, Mexico, etc., 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 that would still be interested. But it's not going to be as big as what we uh, know as the World Cup. All right, moving on. Next up is Chris. Chris says, hi, guys. When it comes to the Juve documentary on Amazon, I, I agree with you 100% that it was awful, especially when compared to the other soccer documentaries they have done on Spurs and Chivas, which I found to be quite good. A uh, MLS or a team in the championship battling for the promotion places would have been a better choice for Amazon, in my view. 
I also wanted to let you know that uh, recently NBCSN showed a replay of the previ- previous day's women's El Clasico between Real Madrid and Barcelona. With that in mind, I was wondering if NBC has the rights to La Liga uh, Femenile, or is that a one-time thing? And Kartik, I think that's I think that's probably a one-time thing. I mean, I, I know that Atta Football has the rights to a lot of those games. And they have an agreement with NBC Sports uh, to kind of share some of those games. So that's what probably that was, I believe. Yeah, I believe that too. And then also, let me move on. Uh, Chris's uh, other comment was, uh, with NBCSN shutting down, it has got me thinking about the future of both CBS Sports Network and both FS1, FS2 going forward. With that in mind, my question to either of you is, do you think that either CBS Sports Network and or FS1, FS2 will shut down in the next few years? Thanks for providing excellent content the past year and happy new year. I think FS2 is a possibility. Uh, I mean, I'm surprised it's still going, really. I mean, mean, it it is a good... um, alternate option i mean especially when you, if you have a, a major competition or it's uh if it's if it's the world cup and it's a good overflow channel where you have matches happening at the same time and you've got maybe on fox maybe there's a college football game on so you put you mean a world cup game on fs1 and then the, the secondary world cup game being played on fs2 but uh cbs sports network i'm not so sure about that one Kartik. maybe that one sticks around a little bit longer you think I'm not sure. They don't have a they don't have a lot of programming, and they show a lot of reruns. I think it depends on entirely on what happens with kind of college football and college basketball rights in the next uh, this next rights cycle. Do they get the Pac-12 rights that as are suspected? Uh, then they would need the channel, particularly for basketball uh, and for some football. Do they keep uh, some of the other rights they have, the American Conference among others? If they do uh, in Conference USA, uh, then they need the channel. Uh, what soccer rights do they keep? Uh, remember, both Champions League and uh, Serie A are three-year cycles, uh, f- which allowed them to grab them, in fairness. But now work, maybe works against CBS as they have to retain them. So uh, we'll see. I think that that's a possibility to shut down. I think FS1 has enough programming, although the ratings for that channel are terrible. Uh, and uh, we don't know what the ratings are for CBS Sports Network, by the way, but we do know uh, FS1's a Nielsen-rated channel, and the numbers are terrible for any event on that channel. Uh, even uh, even college football. I mean, college football does well, relatively speaking, to their other programming, but not well to college football on other networks. Uh, FS2, I think, will be gone at some point, as, as you mentioned. All right, so we've got three more comments uh, left uh, from the, in the mailbag. Uh, next up is RJ Hawkins. Uh, he says, uh, great job with the show. Kind of amazing how much soccer TV news there is on a week-to-week basis, and you guys are on the leading edge of that space. i got to say that I'm very impressed that CBS has decided to put Champions League on their over-the-air network on a weekday afternoon right in the middle of their syndication blocks with soap operas, news magazines, judges, and talk shows. Between Univision, Unamas, and now CBS, Champions League has a pretty high profile as, as far as the other... As far as the over the other over-the-air networks, I noticed that the Fo- the Fox Corporation, in addition to their uh, over-the-air Fox network, also owns My Network TV, which is available in ninety-seven percent of U.S. households. Any chance they use that in their twenty twenty-two uh, Qatar World Cup co- coverage this fall, particularly in the weekend time slots, which conflict with American football? 
As far as World Cup coverage, I prefer the ESPN ABC family of networks. But I do have to admit that Fox really provided a lot of free over-the-air content in the 2018 World Cup, which ultimately helps grow the game. Thanks for your hard work in keeping soccer on our TVs. So, yeah, some some good uh, points there by RJ. I would say that, I mean, the My Network TV, it's probably likely if they do show some World Cup content, it might be some of their World Cup documentaries. Um, they did some for the 2018 World Cup where there were interviews with players or kind of more programming that may not be live programming. It might be just basically kind of on-demand type of programming or kind of long-shelf live programming. Um, but, um, I mean, Fox is going to go all out. I mean, the, the timing of the World Cup, the games, most of the games in the group stage will kick off at 5 a.m. Eastern time uh, and will go through till about, I think, about 2 p.m. in the afternoon. So it's going to be all mornings, I mean, f- games at 5 a.m., 8 a.m., and 11 a.m., all the way through till r- roughly about 2 o'clock in terms of the coverage. Um, so I don't think it's going to impact things as much. Um, and you've got Fox, you've got FS1, you've got FS2, and uh, also foxsports.com. Next up, Chris Day says, Happy New Year. was hoping you might be able to help me uh, with this. Um, let me see. This is related to TV rights. So do you know if MLS teams are still working with local regional sports networks for the upcoming 2022 season or have all coverage rights gone to ESPN Plus and the other national networks, ESPN, uh, A- uh, ABC, Fox, Tudu NA? My favorite team is the Colorado Rapids, but living in Colorado, uh, but, for, but, but I'm four hours from Denver. All of the Rapids games have been geo-blocked on ESPN Plus because uh, Altitude Sports, owned by the Cronkey family, had the rights. With YouTube TV as my main content provider, I can't get Altitude and have thus been blocked out from watching most of the games. Have the same issue for the Avalanche in the NHL. Uh, I'm looking at the rapid schedule for 2022. The TV listing portion only mentions ESPN Plus, so hoping that will allow me to watch more. Have thoughts about? Have, I have thought about getting a VPN workaround, but worried about having to constantly make changes to watch local networks and news channels. Um, and also, do you know if Fox Sports has renewed the rights for the CONCACAF Champions League this spring with the Rapids qualifying? I'm personally a little more interested. So, yeah, some great questions there from Chris. So, um, Chris, so the CONCACAF Champions League uh, is going to be on Fox Sports and Tuduene, Tuduene in Spanish, Fox Sports in English. Um, so no problem there. You will have access to those games. For the Colorado Rapids, um, chances are, I mean, th- those games will stick with their local s- regional sports networks for 2022, and chances are you will be geo-blocked from watching those games on ESPN+. Plus. So my recommendation would be would be to get a, a VPN, and with the VPN, it's really easy. Once you, once you use it, um, you can use it on, on your laptop or whatever and, and be able to switch to a different area and then watch those games. That's probably the only way to do it, uh, as far as I know. And then, last but not least, um, uh, this is from Raymond, and in regards to MLS Parity, uh, the podcast we did recently. Raymond says, I was listening to the podcast with Dave Denholm and Kartik, and I completely disagree with Dave. The frustrating thing is how they defend Parity. 
why does nobody ever talk about the drawbacks of forced parity? The biggest thing it lacks is innovation. Nowhere is this league really in the forefront of an innovation. And I believe it slows developments in the front office with general managers, as well as head coaches and managers, as well as player development. Carter, again, any, any thoughts on that in terms of some of the negatives of, of parity in MLS? Yeah, I would say it's that. I mean, at the same time, uh, you can have a league with a lot of parity uh, and 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 have everybody performing this at, at kind of a high level. So uh, the Bundesliga, I think people now argue there's parity outside of Bayern New Munich, which I don't think is completely true. But let's take that for argument's sake. Yet you see teams. Uh, this is part of the reason Ricardo Pepe's going to Augsburg. Player agents would prefer, if particularly they have attacking players, they go to the Bundesliga rather than the Premier League or Serie A or some other league where teams that are in the mid mid table uh, to lower table lower mid table range are, are sitting with eight nine guys behind the ball most of the match because everybody's playing in a kind of creative uh, attacking way in Germany. So that that parity uh, does lead to some degree of, of, of advanced player development. But the problem is in MLS, it's forced parity. And it also, I think, because of the forced parity, you have guys moving from team to team far too quickly. So they never properly settle in one location. So that's, I think, really the drawback of the forced parity is that uh, every year there's an expansion draft. Every year there's uh, uh, some sort of roster exemption or roster rules that, that create some sort of complication. So, yeah, I mean, the, the player development is not where it needs to be. I'm hoping MLS Next Pro provides that link. I, I'm, I'm probably more hopeful about this than most people. Most people are just thinking of it as another MLS money grab. It probably is. I mean, I know money is the motivator for everything Soccer United Marketing and MLS do. But maybe they'll stumble upon something that really helps long-term player development in the process of trying to make more money so they have more games to put in a, in a, in a media package, which is why it appears they're launching the league in reality. But I'm hoping it's a, uh, it, it's a benefit still. Yeah, for a deeper dive on that topic about MLS parity, if you did miss the episode with with Dave Denholm and Kartik, it was a really good one. Uh, I learned a lot from that one, and it, it is an interesting topic too. Uh, so you can find that at uh, our website, worldsoccertalk.com, as well as on this podcast stream and on YouTube on our YouTube channel at uh, youtube.com slash worldsoccertalk. Some, some great uh, kind of a, a deeper dive, um, maybe like a, like a 15, 20-minute uh, discussion about this very, very topic. All right, listeners, if you've got something you want to uh, ask us, uh, we'd love to read your comments out on air. You can always reach us via email through web at worldsoccertalk.com as well as facebook.com slash worldsoccertalk and on Twitter at worldsoccertalk. Plus, of course, you can always post your comments on worldsoccertalk.com. Kartik, before we head out, uh, where can listeners find you on social media? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at KKFLA737. All right, and you can find me um, personally, The Gaffer, but uh, in terms of uh, World Soccer Talk is uh, at World Soccer Talk. And heading into another weekend of world football, um, this is going to be cup competitions, cup competitions galore. You've got the Africa Cup of Nations starting on Sunday. You've got the FA Cup uh, starting uh, on uh, Friday for the third round, as well as matches from around the world. Kartik, what should you do? Enjoy your football.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 